Awards. He has been active in local church worship ministry for the last 20 years and recently served as Minister of Worship Arts for Eagle Heights Church in Revere, Massachusetts. Stanley also worked as a history teacher in the Boston Public Schools for 10 years and is an advocate for youth and community efforts. He recently completed his first book, Every Song Has a Story, and yet his greatest accomplishments are his marriage to his wife of 15 years, Tatisha, is that right? Tatisha? And his two children, Nia and Stanley. Please welcome. Am I on? Am I on? Am I on? Am I on? Can you hear me? Can you just lift your hands unto God today while I get my Bible and my notes? <laughs> little, pre- little preacher technique. Come on, give God some praise while I... But can you, seriously, seriously, I was driving in and I was just struck with so much compassion for the campus, really. And I know that God wants to do a miraculous work in everyone's life. And I believe that setting the stage for God to do a great thing is expressing gratitude and giving worship and praise. For a few more moments, can you just lift your hands and we can just sing that, Lord, you are good to me, just that refrain. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good to me. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good to One more time. Lord, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are so good to me. Lord, you are good. Lord, you've been so good. Good. One more time, sing, Lord. Lord, you are good. That's right. Oh. Lord, you are good. I want to give God some praise in this house. Thank you so much. Man, these chapel teams are doing a great job, man. I just want to give it up for all of the chapel teams this year. We just spent a lot of time coming up with names for the chapel teams like Team 1, Team 2, and Team 3. So without calling out everyone's name, I just want to tell you in front of everybody, you know this, I tell you during our rehearsal times how much I, A, love you and how much I am proud of you and doing a great job. So I want to publicly affirm you in front of this whole campus and tell you, because this is the first time I think I've been here where I've been able to see you do what you do um, in a chapel. So one more time, give it up for the chapel teams. And uh, thank God definitely for just the the chaplaincy here and uh, Pastor C, as I call him, Pastor Corey. And he's just an awesome guy. Isn't he a great, great chaplain for this campus? So I'm here today uh, to talk to you about a few things. Now, let me make a couple of uh, quick, well, one quick announcement. It was my intention to do something fun after chapel with you, kind of a lunchtime challenge. And I don't know if it's been publicized, but I, I had an assistant and unfortunately, her car got involved in an accident. She couldn't be here. So I'm going to have to kind of postpone that. But I will be in the student center 
uh, from one to two outside of the bookstore. Um, and I do want to give away some free MP3s. So if you want, you know, some of the music that I do, just stop up. Even the visitors, just, just come up to the table. You'll see me from one to two right outside the bookstore. And I'd love to just get your email address and send you a free gift and uh, definitely enter you into a, a drawing for a copy of my book, Every Song Has a Story, which is in uh, the bookstore. Now that the commercial is done, let's go into the word. Um, Father God, I just thank you for this day. I pray, Lord, that this word would be straight from heaven. I believe that it is. Um, And I pray, Lord, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but doers as well. God, soften the hard areas of our hearts. Only you can do it. Holy Spirit, I appeal to you today. And let this be all of you and none of me. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, check this out. About six months ago, God told me that I would preach this message to you. He really did. I was sitting down watching TV, and he said, the moment you have an opportunity to speak to the campus, um, I want you to do this particular sermon. And even in that is an encouraging word. Um, Don't you know that even today, whatever you're going through, the solution to your problem, God already began to put that in motion months and even sometimes years ago. You may not see it, but I want to encourage you in that. You may not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but somewhere months and years ago, God already looked down the road and saw that you would be going through this moment right now, and he began to put a process in motion. And if you just keep living, if you just keep hanging in there, one day you're going to look back and you're going to see how God connected all those dots. Amen? So today I'm talking to you a little bit from Exodus, the third chapter. I'm taking a little bit from Exodus 3 and 4, but Exodus, the third chapter, I love the Summer Olympics, particularly the track and field events. I most relate to these because of my own brief, brief experience as a sprinter. And can you believe it? A long jumper. They used to call me Frogger when I was a kid. I just had these legs. I could grab rim, you know, even at my height. Um, But God, that's how God blessed me. Some people can shoot claws from their fists and some people can teleport themselves. I was blessed with great legs to jump. And I'll be joining Charles Xavier's school for... But as I watched these athletes compete, I began to zero in on the start of each race. And I took note at how crucial that moment was to the success of each runner. That moment, right before the race, and my spidey sense started tingling. And actually, my spiritual radar kicked in, and God began to reveal insights to me about the kingdom of God through this aspect of the sport. I'm certainly not to see Uh, the first to see this type of connection. Solomon reminds us in Ecclesiastes that the race is not given to the swift. And the writer of Hebrews encourages us to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and to run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, while these biblical authors refer to speed and pacing oneself, I teach today about the moments just before your race begins. My topic is on your mark, Get set, go. Or as my four-year-old daughter likes to say, on your march, get set, go. And in this context, a race refers to a particular assignment that God is calling you to do. The race in this context refers to a particular assignment, purpose, task that God is calling each and every one of us to do. Yes, we're all part of the kingdom of God, and we know the great commission to go and, you know, teach all nations and baptizing them. We know we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves. 
Uh, and we know all this. We know the Ten Commandments we shouldn't kill, but even beyond all that, every individual in this room has a particular calling on your life. And you need to be in tune with that. You need to begin to find out, God, why was I put here? Now, you may not know everything about what God is calling you to do, but I can tell you this. There is a starting line. There's a starting time. There's a definite distance that you must run. See, some of us quit before we're done doing what God called us to do. Some of us, we quit. We get tired. We get weary in well-doing. But I want to encourage you, like that scripture in Galatians, you will reap if you faint not. But there's a definite distance you must run, you must conquer, and there's a process to get ready for takeoff. So whatever it is that God is calling you to do, there is a place from which you will launch out and begin. For some of you, it might be this campus. This is your starting line. Some of you, you might have received Christ or will receive Christ here on this campus. Some of you might have been your home church. There are many assignments. Some of you may have completed something God told you to do in a particular season of your life. And now there's a fresh start for something new. But there's a place. And sometimes we have to be in tune with where we are. Sometimes we get so frustrated with what we have to deal with in the place where God has us in the moment that we don't sometimes remember that this might be a place from which I will launch and do greater things. We get so upset with roommates and professors and all kinds of things in life and we forget that this just might be a starting line. Am I speaking to somebody today? In Exodus chapter 3, we find Moses at a mountain in the desert, shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. And Moses can sense the hand of God upon his life. But he stands in this text, a very conflicted man with unresolved issues and questions about the future. How, God, is everything going to work itself out? Let me read Exodus chapter 3, just four verses for you. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. See, y'all don't, y'all don't hear what I'm hearing in this text. If I just talk to you about having problems with your roommate and problems with professors, how do you think Moses felt on the backside of a mountain in the desert? But that was his starting line. So he's on the backside of a mountain in the desert And the angel of the Lord in verse two appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. The two responses from Moses that jump right out me in that particular text. Number one is that when God was up to something, Moses took notice. And how many know that God moves in the lives of people who notice him? So many times we wonder why is God not doing anything in my life? We're looking uh, for, for answers, but we're not necessarily looking for God in the situation. See, if you're just waiting for your situation to end and for it to be done and to be over with, you're not really trying to find God in the situation. But if you say to yourself, I will wait on the Lord in this situation, 
I will look for you, God. In this situation, guess what? God will show up. And the beautiful thing about Moses is God calls him. When you move toward God, he moves toward you. But he calls him and Moses says, God, I'm here. Here am I. And here he is in a situation where God is clearly speaking to him, but his life is all jacked up. God speaks even when your life is out of order. Can you hear me today? See, some of you in here are waiting to get stuff in order before you believe God will speak to you. And before God will give you direction, you are thinking that I have to get this right. I have to put this in order. And sometimes that's true. But some of that just comes from our upbringing sometimes where we just watch people who are, you know, performing religious duties and activities. And everything just seems to be so neatly in order. And so we think that this is how we have to be before we can get a revelation from God. But Moses is hearing God speak through the burning bush and his stuff is kind of all Out of order. Let me give you a sense of where Moses was internally. He was a Hebrew boy raised as an Egyptian. Talk about identity crisis. Privileged as a prince, but bound by heritage to a class of slaves. His passion for justice drove him to kill a man. And now he himself was a fugitive trying to escape the consequence of law, which he respected. And let me add something that I thought about this morning as I was driving in. The man had a speech impediment, but yet God is calling him to go and speak. Can you imagine how this man feels, how conflicted he feels? And God is speaking to him in the midst of all this. And in that God, clearly the Holy Spirit, as I was just meditating, as I was driving, wanted me to speak to you today and just tell somebody in here that your impairment, whatever that situation is, that does not dictate the level or the extent to which God can use you. That was just dropped in my spirit. It wasn't in my prep time. I'm driving today. And when I thought about Moses' impairment, I thought about all the people on this campus in the world who have physical impairments and think that God can't use them. And then the the, the analogy just went further as I thought about people who who have emotional, uh, who, who are emotionally crippled. It shows in the way we talk to one another, very short and abrasive. It shows in low levels of tolerance that we have for people who are not like us. We've been crippled emotionally. Hurting people hurt other people. You've heard it before. But the Lord spoke to me and said, the level of your dysfunction or your impairment does not dictate the extent to which God will use you. Doesn't dictate it, folks. Some of you like Mephibosheth in the Old Testament. Your dysfunction is because somebody dropped you early on in life. Or somebody dropped the ball. But a dysfunction is a dysfunction. For some of you, maybe you were born a certain way. Kind of like the guy in John. Where the disciples said, Lord, who has sinned? This man or his parents? And the Lord said, nobody. This person was just born this way so that I could get the glory out of their lives. But the Lord really kind of just moved on my spirit and said, I want you to really just kind of drive that point home. It doesn't matter what your level of impairment is, God still wants to use you for his glory, for his glory. If you really think about it, a burning bush probably was not so unusual because things catch fire in the desert sometimes. It's a hot place. Hello? 
and the vegetation are considered fuels. So things catch fire sometimes. So I'm sure probably Moses had seen this before. But the fact that the fire was so contained to one area and the flames were not confusing the bush, now that was mesmerizing. Captivated Moses moves closer and encounters God who has an assignment for the man, a race that he must run. Somebody say to your neighbor right now, God knows how to get your attention. Now touch yourself and say, God knows how to get my attention. In this situation... God is taking something that was probably very ordinary, but doing something very extraordinary with it at the same time. Such occurrences can be related to sicknesses and relationships and finance and even weather patterns. As we look in the Northeast and we say, we're used to winters. People say, you should know better. You're from Boston. But then every once in a while, things just happen. We're like, well, this is, that's just a little extra. You, you know, that's kind of a phrase I hear some of y'all, that's, you just a little extra. But sometimes it's in these situations where there's that little extra on the ordinary that God is trying to get your attention. And if he's calling out to you, as Moses said, Lord, here am I. I got three points I just want to leave with you real quickly. I call this less, these lessons from the Bush Convention. I call it the Bush Convention. It's where Moses met God and they had a little talk and... God pulled out the PowerPoint and began to show Moses a few things. Moses, if you look right here in slide three, (laughs) the Bush Convention. Moses left a very educated man after that. It's professional development, if you will. The first point I want you to take today is that God will teach you. God will teach you. Another word was dropped in my spirit, too, the word transition. I'm just talking to a lot of people who are in transition in their life. Transition. Does that word kind of define some things for some people in here? Let me see a show of hands. Transition. Yeah, transition. (laughs) Some of you are in transition. You're moving from a very comfortable situation. Things that you kind of love and you appreciate. Things and people that made you feel at home. And you're just kind of getting nudged away from all that into something new. Somebody said, mm. <laughs> and for others, this, this statement might feel a little better. For some of you, I declare today that you've been in a very uncomfortable spot. And God is beginning to transition you out of some very uncomfortable situations. And he's going to bring you into something better. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. My sister right here, give me a high five. She said, Yes transition. But I want to let you know that in the midst of your transition, no matter how uncertain life seems, up sometimes seems like down and down seems like up, God will teach you. That's the first thing. Somebody say he speaks. He speaks. God will never leave us without a clue as to what he's asking us to do. It's true, however, that we may not get the entire revelation in the beginning. Some details are reserved for the journey. Personally, I'm thinking about, you mentioned my wife and I being married for 15 years. I was like, 15, man, where did the time go? We met on a college campus, good friends, weren't even looking for one another. She was not my type and I was not her type. (laughs) She was into the roughnecks. For anybody who's a fan of hip hop or grew up on hip hop, her favorite MC was MC Light. And MC Light had a song, gotta get the roughneck. Yeah. So she was into the brothers that had the boots and the jeans and the hoodies. 
That was her thing. She's she from New York. One of New York sisters who said, I, I ain't come to Boston to find a man. I got plenty of men in New York. She said, if I want to go on a date, psh, I'm out of here. Or they coming up here to see me. You Boston, you guys are corny. That's, that's what's her thing. And I wasn't looking for her. I'm not looking for you either. Shoot. With your rough self. I want a sister who know how to, you know, put on a dress and, you know, the heels and kind of prim and proper. No, you know, that's what I'm looking for, you know. So we, but we, we, we hit it off and we start hanging out as friends, just doing all kind of crazy things. You know, you know, things are starting to change when you're hanging out with somebody till like three o'clock in the morning and you don't even know the, t- the sun is coming up. You don't even know it. You're just laughing and talking. And then one day. Because I was really looking. I was looking for companionship. I was looking for a wife. I, I was tired of looking for girlfriends. I don't want a girlfriend. I want to I wanna know what my life is going to be like. You know, wh- where's my wife? That's what I'm looking for. So God said to me, the Lord Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's your wife. And I said, really? <laughs> if that's my wife, I better go to the gym. You know what I'm saying? Start hitting some push-ups. Now, we could be walking down the street and some trouble come. I got to be ready. With this one. No, but, but the thing about it is, talk about God showing you something, and I'm on a journey, I'm looking, but you don't know all the details. You want to know the funny thing about it? At the time that the Lord revealed it to me, my wife was engaged to another dude. Whoa. I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but maybe it's a story that's going to help somebody who's in a situation and feel like God called you to it. And you're like, there's a whole bunch of impossibilities surrounding this thing. When I usually tell the story that, you know, a lot of Christian young people would be like, player, 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 player. <laughs> you use that holy G, man. You use that holy rap, huh? <laughs> it wasn't even like that. It wasn't like that. And so not only did I not know how this thing is going to work out, she doesn't know how it's going to work out. You know, and, and she's, she's saying all kind of things. She's like, yeah, after I graduate, I'm going over, because he was from Trinidad. She's like, I'm going to fly over and see my baby, you know. And I'm just like, why do you keep saying this? So anyway. <laughs> wow, I must be touching a nerve in this section of the church. <laughs> there's hope for you, there's hope for you. <laughs> and so, but anyway, I didn't know how this was. So we had to work through all this stuff. And eventually we're at the place. But, but again, I just wanted to let you know from, my, from that starting line for that particular thing in my life, there were just so many things that I just didn't have the answers to. But I knew God was speaking. I just knew it was him. If you're experiencing total confusion and lack of direction, you need to pray. I did a lot of praying during that season. A lot of praying. And sometimes praying was about answers. Sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes praying was about God, show me what's going on, help me to interpret, help me to understand. But don't you know, sometimes prayer is not about finding answers. It's about finding peace. Even when you don't know, God, if I'm just next to you, if I can just feel your presence, I'll be okay. Even with the unanswered questions that lie outside that door, I'll be fine because I know you're with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. You, you can get to that place through prayer. But let's look at God telling Moses some specifics because I believe there are people in this room today 
that need specifics about what the next level in your life is going to be as you're transitioning. And I want you to know that God will give you specifics. Let's look at Moses here. In chapter 3, verse 7, God tells Moses why he's arriving on the scene. He tells him the reason for the Bush Convention. He says in verse 7, the why is, I have seen their affliction and heard their cries. God says, here's the why, Moses. Stuff is going on, here's why. Because some people are hurting, they're crying out, and I heard their prayers. That's why this is happening. And then he reveals to Moses the what. What do I intend to do? He says in verse 8, I will deliver them and bring them to the promised land. He's educating Moses. God will do it for you. He'll tell you why things are happening in your life. He'll tell you what he will do. Maybe not the whole picture, but he will begin to say, I will do this and that. And then he instructs Moses as to how to deal with the Israelites. In verse 16, he tells him to gather the elders and to tell them that the God of their fathers has said such and such. Sometimes we just kind of go past these verses. But you put them in a good context. You really read into them. God was giving Moses some wisdom. And many of us at our starting line, the reason why the gun hasn't gone off yet for you to run is because you need wisdom. There's nothing worse than a person who arrives at a destiny before they're prepared. You will lose it all. Most obvious example is people who are in the lottery. And have spent hardly no time in financial planning, management, just hoping for the big day. And then they get it. Oh, my God. Oh, you know, publishing clear or whatever. But you hear these reports that most of the time, in a short span of time, people end up losing it all. Because they weren't prepared for the moment. Hoping for, see, can I speak to you? Hoping for something to happen is not the same as being prepared. My God. That's for somebody. You spend all your prayer time hoping, but not preparing. Talking, but not listening. Do you receive this today? See, because God knew what the people needed to hear. Moses, you have the calling. Yes. You know why I'm here. You know what I'm going to do. But here, Moses, if you go and talk to these people the wrong way, you're going to mess it up. You have the call, you're a leader, you're anointed to do this, but if you don't talk to them the right way, they won't follow. And what good is a leader if nobody's following? I'm talking to somebody in here today, I know it. Mm -mm -mm. I'm talking to leaders right now in this moment. I'm talking to people who are married. I'm talking to RAs. I'm talking to people who are leaders of clubs and organizations. Get the wisdom. We out here talking to people the wrong way. And not consulting God as to what the people need to hear in order for them to move. Don't you know sometimes the difference between people moving with you and people standing still and not supporting you is how you talk? He knew that this, in this culture, the elders were important. He says, Moses, if you want to do anything Go get the elders. And what I want you to say to them is that the God of your fathers, see, that's about promise. That's about covenant. God knew that this people would respond to language about covenant. I don't have time to get into that. But Moses took that advice and he went and talked to them. And the rest is history. The second thing I want to tell you, I couldn't really determine what 
point this would be, and, and let me know, I can't remember what, how much time I have. If I have five, ten minutes, let me know, I'll zip right through it. Did you just say three left? <laughs> Lord have mercy. She said three left. She said five, ten, she said three. And now I got two. Often, let me, let me, let me skip through this really quickly. Often our state of mind, God will, God will adjust your attitude. That's the second thing. He will give you peace. Just take those two points. God will adjust your attitude. He will give you peace. Often our state of mind needs to be addressed before we can effectively pursue what God has shown us. These experiences that need to be put in, there are experiences that need to be put in proper context. There are opinions that need to change. Often we've grown comfortable in ways of thinking that are counterproductive to our mission. The first thing that comes to my mind is how Moses constantly says to God, I'm not worthy. Constantly says to God, I can't do it because of my speech. That attitude needed to change because if God shows up on the scene and says, you can do it, you can. And, and, and I want to tell you three things as, as I close that God will do to adjust your attitude. The first thing is that he will assure you that he will be with you. God says that to Moses in Exodus 3.12. He says, I certainly I will be with you. So God, in order to give you peace and to kind of adjust your attitude as you're getting ready to go off into this mission, this assignment is he will assure you of his presence. The second thing God will do is that he will perform miracles or extraordinary things in your life. If you read Exodus 4 on your own time, you will see that God instructs Moses to do three things. The first thing he says to Moses is, I want you to put, take your rod in your hand and I want you to throw it on the ground. And you know, the rod becomes a serpent. And God says, I want you to grab that serpent. And the, and the serpent became a rod again. Somebody say miracle. See, in that situation, God needed to show Moses something miraculous because this was something that Moses would have to repeat in the future. Before Moses could say that God was real, before Moses could say that God would do miracles, Moses had to experience a miracle in his own life. And so what God will do for you as you're getting ready to launch forward into your assignment is he will do miraculous and extraordinary things in your life to give you some power, to give you some assurance that he is with you. Read the rest of that chapter. You see that God says, I want you to take your hand and I want you to put it on your bosom and the hand is inflicted with leprosy. Put the hand back. The leprosy goes away. God begins to do extraordinary things in Moses's life. And sometimes the process of God doing extraordinary things, it's almost like God unlocking in a video game, a new level now unlocked the new level achievement level unlocked. And many times when God puts you in that position to unlock something spectacular in your life, it is uncomfortable. I can imagine Moses as the rod turns into a snake, stepping back saying, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And now you want me to grab this thing. Just because God is going to do something great doesn't mean always at the outset it's comfortable. Sometimes it's scary, but I want to say to you, let go and let God. Let go and let God. And finally, God will give you the resources. He will help you. I really hope in some kind of forum I can come back and finish this. There's a lot of good things, but that's my fault. I can't blame anybody. But God said what he needed to say today to you. So the the last thing I want to say to you that is if you're wondering what to do and how things are going to get done. You know God is moving on your life. He will give you the help that you need. The Lord equips Moses with Aaron, does he not? And the rod to perform signs. God knows our confidence increases when we have some tools to get the job done. The Lord spoke to my spirit and he, and he really, and this is the last thing I'm going to say to you, is he wanted me to give just a quick invitation to folks who want to, need to connect with God for the first time. You don't need to come up. I'm just going to ask you to stand at your seat. Or there might be people who were formerly connected with God very, very, very richly, 
but somewhere along living your life, you have become disconnected from God. See, the thing about promise, the thing about destiny, the thing about God speaking to you about where you're going to go in your life, this whole on your mark and set goal thing, this whole thing about God teaching you and, and, and God, you know, resourcing you, it starts with a relationship with him. It starts there. And I found that a lot of people who are in the dark in their mind really are not that connected with God anymore. And that's not a criticism. It's kind of a healthy challenge. So I, I just want to extend for maybe a minute, 60 seconds. I don't have a lot of time. I'm already on borrowed time here. So I need you to kind of move quickly, not to come up here. But here is my invitation. Here's my challenge. If, if your spirit has been spoken to over this past half hour, and you feel that you need to connect with God, maybe this is the first time you're going to make some kind of connection. And maybe there are others of you who were formerly on fire for God. But now it's kind of lip service. And your heart is far from him on a daily basis. And you just want to reconnect with him again. I dare you to either stand or just lift your hand in the air. And I want to pray a special prayer over you as we leave today. That's good, brother. That's good. Anyone else? That's what I'm talking about right there. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you who are not lifting your hands, clap your hands for these people right here. Amen. And I want to tell you as I pray that today starts a new chapter in your life. Today starts a new chapter in your life. Nothing mystical or magical, but according to your faith, be it unto you. And you raising your hand and you standing, that's faith. You're taking a step toward God. You saw a burning bush today. You saw God move, and you're moving toward it. And God is going to move back to you, just like toward you, just like he did for Moses. Join me in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this chapel today. We thank you that you are so good to us. And right now, we are trading our sorrows. We are trading sickness and pain. We are trading the memories of folks who have hurt us and dropped us along the way in our life. We're trading abuse right now. For some of us, we are just angry, and that anger is clouding our judgment, is keeping us from you. We're trading the black hole in our heart, the loneliness, the suffering. We're trading it all right now for the joy of the Lord. We want to reconnect with you right now, God. And we believe, just as the word says, where two or three agree is touching upon anything in your name, and we ask in your name, it shall be done. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I pray blessing over everyone's life now that is standing in agreement. God, I pray that your spirit would speak to them. Let the healing waters flow from your throne over their souls, over their minds. I pray this healing. And I pray against every enemy that would try to distract them. I pray against every hindrance. And I declare victory over your life now in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray for the rest of this day as we move toward class and toward lunch. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us and show us your love around every corner that we turn today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you.